Well, good morning. It's, um, it's always uh, a balancing act for me to, to decide telling stories about my week in true Marquez uh, fashion because <laughs> it's so fun and um, letting you talk to each other and teaching. So there, there's always like this, <coughs> it's like, oh wait, you only have 43 minutes now to, uh, to do that. I did want to tell you one story about my week though because it was so fun. Um, this week, Friday night, there was a citywide Shabbat, it's called, at the factory. 800 people showed up the largest potluck I've ever been to because they, they just say everybody bring food and we'll supply the communion. Basically it's communion kind of in the Jewish tradition. And uh, <coughs> and I, I was asked um, sort of last minute at the end to uh, pray with people if they wanted prayer. And I love, I love doing that. That's like sick, that's like throwing a tennis ball for a dog. I mean that's like Roof! and uh, <laughs> And, and this was kind of a, well, it was kind of a charismatic crowd, okay, in some ways. And so I'm standing up there, and this woman comes up to me, and she goes, and I go, how can I pray for you? And she goes, just ask Jesus. And I'm like, oh, really? You know, it's just like, really? And so, and so I did. I mean, that doesn't scare me, but it, it does scare me. And so I just said, well, Lord, and I just got this picture. And I said, I see you tapping your foot impatiently. And I feel like God's saying, you, you have to move first. And she just goes, ah! Oh. <laughs> I was just like, bingo. I said, any more you want to say about that? And she goes, no, you said enough. And she just <laughs> didn't even get a chance to pray for her. But something some happened. I, I don't know what. And then, uh, then another young woman came up and she said, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of poking fun at uber hyper-spirituality with these, but she said, I've, I've got all these words. She's young, probably 25-ish. She said, I've got all these words about what to do with my life and what's going to happen, and none of it's happening, so I'm just stuck here. And I was just like, wait, what? And, and it was kind of like, wow, so you have these prophetic words about something going to happen, so you're waiting for it to happen. I said, why don't you just ask the Lord? She's like, you can do that? I was like, yeah. I mean, in Him we live and move and have our being. If you draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. And so if you feel stuck, and she said, what if I don't get it right? I was like, are you kidding me? Look, here we are in Acts 15, and Paul and Silas are having this huge discussion about grace versus law. And they come down to Jerusalem to try to settle this issue once and for all for the church. And so, they're, and so everybody's there. It's like Billy Graham is there. You know, it's like Paul is there, Peter's there, John's there. Everybody who's walked with Jesus this whole time is there. And, and, and they do everything. If you read through Acts 15, it's like an outline of how to find the will of God. You know, they, they ask smart people, they see what God's been doing, they look in the Word, and they do all this stuff. And you think, if ever there should have been a word, handwriting on the wall, someone standing up and saying, I have a vision of it, you know, something like that. Because this is a huge deal. And they write this letter back to the church up in Antioch, and this is what they say. They say, it seems good 
to the Holy Spirit and to us to tell you this. And then they tell them. And you go, seems good. It seems good. I mean, God, this is like the direction the church is going to take forever and seems good. I mean, I was, I was frankly kind of ticked. I mean, it was like, Lord, I'm like, I'm like committing my life on thus saith the Lord. And this is a seems good word that is setting the course of the whole church. And God really said to me, he said, if seems good isn't good enough for you, you need to kind of rethink your relationship with me. And it, it, it really altered my relationship with God. Because in, in a sense, if my heart wants to do the right thing, I, I, I almost can't make a wrong decision. Because I go, God, I'm, it feels, it seems right. It seems like the Lord's saying this. And so I'm going to walk in that direction and see what happens. Because if, if God gives us information then we go off and do that information, right? If he says, uh, go to Africa and start a church, you go to Africa and you start a church. God never sent anybody to Africa. See, I'm saying that again just for you, Jim. Um, God said, I'm going to Africa, want to come. And so often the guidance of the Holy Spirit and even the use of our gifts, see, I knew I'd get it back to our gifts, but the use of our gifts, there's a seems goodness to it. There's a, this seems good to the Lord. This, I, I'm going to just do this. It just, it feels like it might be good. And I'm listening, you know, with, with all my ears, my inner ears, my outer ears, I'm listening. But in, in everything that we do in the Lord, there is, there is uncertainty often, but there's not risk. Uncertainty means I'm not sure, but risk means if I do the wrong thing, I'll die, horrible things will happen. And God says, no, if you follow me, and, and then it seems good to the Holy Spirit, just go for it. It, seems, it seemed good for, for me to tell that lady, I see you tapping your foot. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and, and as I started to talk, it's kind of like pulling a, th a thread. You know, I started to pull it, and all of a sudden the sleeve fell off. And, and I said, I, I think you're just, you're, God's waiting for you. Okay? And so we can, we can walk that way. And so when we think about these giftings that we have, um, there is a way that we walk in these giftings where it's not about being sure in our heads, but it's being connected in our spirits. These giftings are always to be walked out in connection with God and in connection with the body of Christ. And then we just, so, so if, if your motivation is mercy, did you all see, by the way, at the end of last week, the mercy crew sitting around in a circle here? Everybody else got up to leave and not one of them got up. That is so mercy. I mean, that, that, is like that, that is like the classic. Yeah, see, that is like the, they were still talking. And, and in every other group, the whole group was taught. One person would talk and everybody would listen. But if you look at the mercy, they went, and they were one-on-one -on -one talking to each other and, and almost didn't take a breath. And they were just, oh, 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 oh. okay. And so, but you saw the leaders over here, and they were like a chair apart from each other <laughs> doing this. And the prophets were like, <laughs> right? And it was just, it was just fun. And the giving were just sitting, oh yeah, you know. And they were just, they were just kind of talking about things. Okay, I think I've stalled long enough. I think almost everybody's here. Um, so, so we've been talking about the seven kinds of, 
what we'll call motivational gifts. Um, and remember, we have organized things. Come on, there's room in the spit zone right down here in front. We have organized things. Um, according, yeah, we need soundproof. Uh, we have organized things along the three categories in 1 Corinthians 12. So Paul says there's varieties of gifts, but one spirit. That's what we're doing here. There are varieties of ministries, but one Jesus. So Jesus is the one who plugs you in and promotes you and moves you around. And there's varieties of effects, but one father. And the father goes just like, just like uh, a dad. The father goes, I'm going to make sure this works out, right? So my son yesterday has a job interview Monday, and he's like a, a top Apple genius, and this other company is coming to town, and they're only interviewing three Apple geniuses for two jobs. And I'm like, piece of cake. And he's like, I'm so nervous. And so, so dad, I'm going, look. And so I tell him, you're awesome. Look, you get in the zone. I've watched you deal with people. You get in the zone, and you don't have to think you know the right. And he goes, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And I said, okay. So that was like pumping him up. And I said, now, this is a different kind of company than Apple. So you have to think through corporate systems, not just helping people. So, and he's like, okay, I got, it. stop talking. He's like, dad, dad, you're not going to be on the call with me. So just stop. You know, it's, it's like, see, so that's what God the Father does. God the Father's like, I'm going to make sure this works, right? So the varieties of, of energema that's in the middle. And then Paul says, but... But the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So he's saying, look, this is how the structure works. And now Holy Spirit over here is passing out power tools when you need them. And so we talked about that those power tools come at a point of need and a point of faith. Right? And so you're going, huh, I feel like I should say to this woman, I see God tapping his foot. Okay? So we would call that a word of knowledge. Okay? That's exactly what that would be. It's, I see God tapping his foot. I didn't say, on October 12th, you met a tall, dark stranger. No, I just said, I see God tapping his foot. Does that mean anything to you? And she goes, you know, shut up. <laughs> so I felt that's probably right. Um, and so that's what we're working with. So with us now, we're talking about what we have called, what I call motivational gifts. Some people call them redemptive gifts. But it's my primary motivation and it's from God, and it operates, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk. Yeah, I'm always at this quandary because I have so much to say, but I want to hear you guys talk too. So, um, so we've got them divided up around the room just like this. Okay, and so we've got teaching, which is pure speaking. Remember, the gifts are speaking and serving. So we start teaching is pure speaking. Exhortation is speaking with mercy in your heart, trying to help the person find who they are. You get, get the speaking part minimized and you go straight to mercy. right? So mercy is a person who is wanting to show mercy and they do a lot of speaking, but they start to really serve. If you go one more over, the speaking almost stops and it's let's get her done. It's all about serving. So that's pure serving and that's pure speaking. Okay, if we go this way around, then we start with pure teaching, and we, we pop here where it's teaching, but the teacher is all about what's true and what's false. The prophet is all about what's right and what's wrong. So it's like true and false with attitude. Okay, that, so, so you can kind of, okay, so the prophet kind of, they're, they're kind of all about let's make sure it's right, let's make sure we get it right. 
Um, if we if we kind of take the prophetic piece but the right-wrong piece and kind of keep that and make it sort of a right-wrong in an organizational setting. That is, how can we be organized the best? How can we be led the, the best? How can we take inefficiency out of the system? We, we come into leadership. Okay, so the leader takes the thoughts, so the prophet speaks to the leader, the leader says, uh, let me say that, don't you say that, because you probably need to grow up a little bit, young prophet boy, but I think you're right on, but you got too much attitude, right? And so, so, so the ruler, leader, then helps to organize, to get people together, and, and if, if you take sort of the leadership part, but not the resourcing part, you jump right into giving. So giving is sort of heading towards straight up serving and then if you go from giving and you take the, the kind of the, the part about money and, and financial excellence out and just go straight to service and bam, you're right into service again, okay? So these things are like, are like the colors of the rainbow and so you sit somewhere in this continuum generally for motivation, okay? So a question we might ask is how do I find my gifting? How do I discern and, and somebody um, somebody asked that this morning how do I find it here is a, is a great setup um, so notice that the gifts hey I loved your post notice that the gifts are always described in this context in the context of, of uh, love relationship service a culture of honor a culture of honor means that that I speak in honorable ways to each other and I honor others. If you heard Lee's talk this morning, we honor others above ourselves. So within that culture, these gifts really thrive. If there's a culture of competition or exclusion, they don't thrive, okay? Um, the other thing, then a the question is, is how do I find my gifting? So here are three ways not to find your gifting. It's like you need more help with that, right? But here are three ways, so waiting, uh, until I know my gifting, I'm just I'm just on hold till God shows me who I am. Why don't you try things out, right? And see see what begins to click. See what feels good. Um, or the other thing is that a way not to find your gifting is to think that there aren't giftings. And if we have time at the end, which we won't have, um, but maybe next time, we'll talk about the difference between talent and gifting, between personality and gifting. There is kind of a move in the in the in the mind part of the church to make it sort of about sanctified personality. It is not that. I can tell you for a fact it's not that. Okay? And so gifting comes out of the spirit. It comes out of our relationship with Holy Spirit. And when you're walking in your gifting, it's very different than walking in your talent or your personality. This is always an ex an exertion of my effort of my cerebral whatever, this becomes my load is easy, it's light, I find rest for my soul. And remember we talked about it's like that, that walking thing at the airport where you have that escalator that escalates you along. And they're not walking any faster than anybody, but they're moving faster somehow. And you find that, that as you begin to understand I have a Holy Spirit who and a Jesus who preside over this gifting and I have works laid out for me before the foundation of the world to accomplish Ephesians 
then if I say, Lord, will you help me use this gifting to accomplish these works? And you might be the super businessman, and, and the church might want to pull you in to be the business director for the church. But if your gifting is mercy, being the business director of the church, because you don't have leadership or a giving gift, will always be drudgery. And the best you can do is, is your brain. But over here, if your real gifting is mercy, and we've got some elders who are amazing business leaders, and yet when you see them in their function, they're just mercy. They're just crazy mercy. Okay, I was going to have a business meeting with one of them, and he said, uh, "Wednesdays I, I tutor at the prison." <laughs> like, wait, you're like a vice president of HCA, and you spend every Wednesday taking your vacation tutoring at the prison. He goes, "Yeah, it's my favorite part of the week," and I'm like, "There you go." Okay, and so we all have that that sense of things. Um, the other thing is is that I allow stuff to get in the way. Immature character. Desire for other things can block the gifting or, or can limit the gifting. If I'm a Christian, I have a spiritual gifting. It's, it's yours by your rebirth right. It's yours. But you can block it, you can stifle it, you can quench it. Um, and so there's a... It's kind of like in the Enneagram where you look at Enneagram stuff. It's like, this is the normal you, the normal type three. This is you at your worst and this is you at your best. We could almost do a spiritual gifting. This is like a normal Christian, but if you really begin to focus on it and sense and learn how to walk with the Spirit, this becomes you at your best. But if you kind of don't care about it and you're really caught up in other things, this is like that gifting at its worst. And if, if you want to, see, these guys at their worst are like the worst ever. It's like, it's like the prophets, a young, immature, full of vim and vigor and, and, and criticism prophet is just like almost unbearable, you know, in some ways. And yet, a prophet who's mature revolutionizes the church, makes, makes the leader's job super easy. They become the, the greatest counselor ever, okay? Because they're so sure-footed about right and wrong. They just really are. Okay, so here, are, here is some help. Um, duh. So we ask God to show us with our hearts set on a bank. Say, God, I know I have a spiritual gift, and I, I kind of have a sense of what it is. I'm not sure. But will you show me how my talents and my background, will you show me how to walk into it? I really want to. And if you do, I will say yes. And just see what happens. Just, just, but just walk aware and see what happens. And you'll find among all the things you do in the Lord, you'll find the things that are your gifting tend to magnetize and draw you in that direction. Um, here is, uh, I call it run, run for daylight, run for light. Do little things in the area that you might sense your gifting. Do little hidden things. Do, do, if you're a mercy, just do little hidden mercy things that kind of nobody sees. I, I, yeah, as I'm looking around, the mercies are going, yeah, I already do that. Okay, so, so that, that is awesome. You can't help but to do it. But run for daylight. In other words, you get a sense of, this feels more like the pull of the Lord than this. I'm, I'm just going to walk in this direction and see what happens. It's like, you know, there are four paths in the woods. And yeah, I think I'll just go down this one. It's not like I, I have to flip a coin. No, you just go. The Holy Spirit knows where you're going anyway. So if it's the wrong path, somehow it'll double back and you'll be on the right path. Okay, that's just how he does things. Um, ask friends. Ask friends 
who know about this or think about this, you, you can just say, we, we do this in college, and we said, what do, what do I do best? What do you, when you look at me, what do you see I do best? What is it that you really feel like God does in me the best? And it's a wonderful conversation. We, we did this out at our house one time. You were there, the recounters, were you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we just, we just invited as many people as wanted to come, sat in circles, <coughs> and began to, to just speak into each other's lives after some worship. And some people went, that changed my life more radically than anything has changed my life ever. Okay, because we just kind of give God a chance to, to speak to us through other people, and it, it really works good. And that speaking through other people is called prophecy. Not, not this prophecy, but the manifestation of prophecy. Speaking for exhortation, consolation, uh, well, there's a third one, but speaking in those ways. Okay. Um, so follow after grace, and that's sort of like the run for daylight. But just, just say, Lord, there feels like grace on my life to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. There might be something that's announced here, and you go, that feels like a thing. Maybe I should do. Why not? Why not? If it's not the right thing, I'll know. And it still would be a good thing, right? So I guess my point is, it's not hard to find your gifting because God wants you to find it more than you want to find it. It's not hard to find the, the works that are prepared for you before the foundation of the world because they're like Easter eggs. They're hidden for you, not from you. right? No parent hides Easter eggs so the kids won't find them. There are a few grandfathers who've done that. <laughs> and grandmothers who go out and go, Oh, look, look! Oh, and I, oh, I found another egg! I'm like, yeah, you made that way too easy. Okay, but, but God, he hides, he hides our destiny for us, not from us. Right? And so we, we almost have to try not to find it. Um, and then... Um, Take a risk, do it with humility, and then there's, there's my life verse. I was on a burning airplane when God imprinted that verse on me, <laughs> trying to land in Nashville on fire. That was exciting. My life didn't flash before my eyes, so I figured I'd make it, but um, anyway. Okay, in the next 15 minutes, I want us to talk about the three speaking gifts and I thought 12 weeks was too much time to talk about this. It is not enough time to talk about this, uh, all this stuff. Um, so, so here's evidence. So um, are any of those people here? Now, I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay. You were in the uh, exhorter, exhorter crowd. Okay. Anybody else here? Yes? What were? Exhorter. Exhorter? Okay. Teacher. Teacher? Uh, Yes. Exhorter. Exhorter. Okay. Uh, prophets? Any of those here? Cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. This is awesome. Okay. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, I'm going to uh, describe these three from a, a collection of the best teachers that I've, I've studied under, talked to, and my own experience. I'm just going to give a little description of, of what that mature gifting might look like. But, uh, but when I finish with 
them. I want those of you who are in the pictures to answer some questions. Did I say anything that really resounded or challenged you? It's like, yeah, that, or, or maybe not so much. Um, what, that's, yeah, that, that's not really, because see, the, there's this whole continuum, right? And I may say six things, you go, no, no, no. Well, yeah, that, actually the gist of what you said is kind of, kind of right, okay? And finally, if you have a quick story about yourself, uh, it could be embarrassing, uh, good, bad, or funny about, I have lots of uh, self-incriminating gifts about being an exhorter um, that I could tell. Okay, you got it? So think about that. So I'm, I'm just going to ask for volunteers. Let's talk about teaching. Okay, so these are some of the characteristics of the teacher. Um, they, they feel a need to validate Josh's sermons by looking, going to look at scripture and emailing him. He will get emails from teachers and prophets, typically. Um, once while an exhorter saying, you did a good job, well except for. Um, they, they tend to be calm and able to hear. Things don't tend to stir them up. Um, they tend to be really loyal to leadership. They may be disorganized. They're not necessarily good money managers. They, if you think kind of professor, a little absent-minded professor once in a while, sometimes they have that sort of a category. Um, they really stand on conviction. In other words, they, they tend to be principled about it. They go, well, you know, the word says, the word says, the word says, rather than personal feelings. Okay, those are just some things. And hey, I'm just going to pop all these up. So, um, so God tends to take teachers and give them access to things in the Word in ways where they go, oh, "Whoa!" And so they see hidden patterns. They see this. They 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 just they love this. They they can look at the implements in the Holy of Holies and go, "There are seven implements, and they match the seven primary gifts perfectly." And the seven days of creation match the seven gifts. And whoa, you know, and it, that and they do, by the way. And so you just go, "Oh, that's great!" So they love that kind of stuff, um, and they use it to empower and equip. They love to say, "Did you know that?" You know, the the doctrine of transubstantiation, the Catholic Churches. Actually, there's some point in it here, and it kind of works like this, and it's really symbolic, but it's real. You know, and you just go, oh, look at the time, right? You might say that. Um, a mature teacher can take a new revelation and think through not just the blabbing of it, but the stewardship of it. In other words, they take ownership of it, and they say, who should I share this with? What is the best way for this to be rolled out in my family, in my life, in my church? And so they, they really think it through rather than just get it and, and shoot it out, right? Um, they tend to have a pretty healthy perspective because they, they can step back and look at things and compare them to principles in Scripture. So they don't tend to be personally antagonized about something. They, they, now, an immature teacher, yeah, it, doctrine and fighting and let's do a church split and you know blah blah that's where we got denominations is probably teachers who were not <clears throat> um, they tend to be trustworthy with with leaders when they see themselves as partners when when they see a leader going hey I'm gonna talk about this this week any thoughts about that and they're they're just like <laughs> and you know they'll be up two nights in a row and they'll say you know I was looking at this and this really jumped out because they love that kind of thing Okay, teachers, anything else you want to add? Anybody who's in the teacher picture, either 
um, that hit me, or that's not so much me, or a story about yourself as a teacher, this is your chance. Who, who are the teachers? Come on, raise your hands. Oh, it's all you. <laughs> Anything you want to say? I guess it resonated with me the part about being calm and able to hear. I don't really get personally wrapped up in some, some yeah. things, but there's other things that you know, you know, I'm maybe rethinking my uh, the group that I was in because I don't necessarily uh, you know quite agree with or quite resonate with that is resonating with me. Yeah. Uh, necessarily, so uh, it was interesting because I'm still yeah you know, good. <laughs> good. See, all of us kind of we're just. It's like the worst thing to do is to peg yourself by taking a test. The best thing to do is to just begin to gather experience and run for daylight. And it might be 10 years later you go, you know, I really am kind of that. See, it's not so important to determine who you are. It's to determine your relationship with God and just follow Him. These are just sort of helpers for that, right? Um, okay, let's talk about the exhorter. So they tend to be sort of this party waiting to happen. They love to connect with people. Um, they're master communicators. They can be too much. They can share too much. They can stand up here and talk about sharing too much. They could be just like me, say, for example. Um, <clears throat> um, they think God is always wonderful and extravagant and, and, and just the greatest guy ever. So uh, they, they tend to have that sort of a feel about God. They, see, each of these seven reflect part of God's nature, and the exhorter reflects the extravagant goodness of God. They just, they just, their heart just kind of resonates with that. Um, they, they don't have a, a dominant leadership style when they're mature. They're very passive. They, they love to watch other people come into their gifting, and, and they kind of step in and say, hey, you know, I noticed kind of a thing rather than, no, you need to kind of that sort of a thing. So they tend to be more that way. Um, and they love to counsel and teach and disciple. They love to, uh, my idea of a great day is somebody saying, hey, can I come talk to you? I mean, that's like, yeah, because everything starts to click, right? Um, so here's, here are the things about a, uh, a mature exhorter. <clears throat> they love to reveal God's word to people, but not like the teacher. They love to do it to help people attain what their calling is, what their gifting is. They share for the purpose of lifting somebody up, not just for the purpose of, not, I don't want to say just, but um, they, they tend to bring balance among the other gifts. They can kind of see the big picture and go, you know, I think if we, so they, they tend to be kind of good that way, kind of good organizers. Um, I've seen exhorters, I've seen it in my own life, <clears throat> they move through some, some significant pain in their life often related to misuse of their gift. And, and as they mature, they tend to be a lot more mellow about it. They tend not to be this puppy who, you know, chews the wrong thing and, you know, wets the furniture. They, they tend to be better trained, I guess. Um, <clears throat> sort of like to teach that their lives are governed by principle more than relationship. So they tend to, they tend to, when they talk with somebody, they tend to go, okay, you know, so the Word of God is like this, and, and I believe it, and if we walk with it, we'll, and off we go. Okay, who are the exhorters in the crowd? It, you can raise it high. Come on, come on. Um, so, did anything resonate, not resonate? Any story you want to tell on yourself? You're dying to talk. <laughs> do I have that look? Yes, you do. Come on. Uh, probably, I just felt like all of it did. And so it, I think... Now, that is an exhorter statement, by the way, right there. <laughs> yes! Uh, and so it was really neat to, 
I guess, realize that that's a gifting and not be like, why did I do this? Or why do I really like this? So uh, to realize that's something that I can walk with God with or maybe yeah. answer to when I feel it. And not apologize for. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it explained a lot for me. So. Yeah. Especially when you're married to a prophet, right? It's, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, yeah? I think uh, being intuitive and reading pieces and wanting to know what they need and yeah. finding a way to enable, that's been one of my favorite words for a long time. How do I teach yeah. towards enabling? And uh, just the joy of looking in someone's face and seeing that they get it or see that you've made a difference and you've helped them find a different path, yeah. find some direction. Yeah, you lay down after a day of that and you just smile. It's like, I can't go to sleep. It's just, oh, God, it's so good. You're just like, thank you. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think sometimes we try to put people in a box in our great country. And so I have a, a brother who's an educator and a PhD, and he has a son who has a slight slowness, a slight disability. Uh -huh. And I see him kind of pounding and pounding Christian, pick up your, you know, these. Yeah. Yeah, Christian is his name. But every time they visit, this, this desire, this heart to see where is it that he is, how can we best bring out his character? And so I think that phrase, bringing out or seeing the best yeah. or God's purpose for somebody. And so, you know, we, we, we're always thinking, well, well, what if he went into trade school? Or what if he, what could he do that he's really good at? Yeah. And I think that, that's where my heart is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I do have a quick, quick story. We were Saturday at a, at a Cars and Coffee one day, and cute little girl with her dad, and she just was a little girly girl, little girl. And, you know, dad talking with his buddy and walking around, and I felt this tell her she's a girly girl. Well, my family's going this way and it's just not convenient. Well, God brings her back around. <laughs> and for whatever purpose, <clears throat> to speak that. I think exhorters have more coincidences in their lives than almost anybody. Eyes to see. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe. It's, it's like crazy. I mean, I could just tell a whole, I could write a 600-page book on coincidences of things where you're just you're called to be and I think that's God's God's nature is to encourage I mean he's a spirit of encouragement and I think he he's so intent and intense about wanting to encourage us that he just it's almost like God gets a little over it's like God back off you know I, I, I get it you know it's, it's like it's like God himself is so excited to encourage us that when he finds an exhorter whose purpose is that he's like okay come on Bring him back around. I'll bring him back around. You know, this is like okay, okay, okay. The energizing part. Yeah. When that gift is, when you see that gift come together, and I, I thought, well, maybe it's my zealousness or my codependency or my whatever. Maybe it's God's gift. Yeah, yeah. And see, for all of us, the realization that maybe this is from God, not my grandmother. You know, wow. Maybe this isn't dysfunction. Maybe this is immature spiritual function. Huh. Right? Maybe I'm okay. I mean, that's what gifts do. They establish you. But not only establish you in the body, but they establish you in you. Because you go, I'm not crazy. Or if I'm crazy, I'm crazy like all these other people. So that's not bad. Okay, let's talk about the, the, the prophet. So <clears throat> kind of... 
uh, and we talk about this kind of black and white thinking, right and wrong thinking, and you might say judgmental, except if they're mature, then they're not judgmental at all. They see right and wrong, and they know exactly what to do about it. They see it more clearly than anybody. It's like they can pick out something that's false in one part per billion, and it bothers them. They, they, they want it gone, and God wants it gone. Right? And so they just have to be they're expressive, passion for excellence, fearless. They, they kind of will speak in any crowd to anybody and say anything. You know, it's just like, right? Um, they, they tend to be really um, generous and compulsively generous. They, they, just, they, they just, because they see right and wrong, and part of them goes, oh, and they, they just, they want to, to right wrongs, and they'll be really generous to do it. And they tend to really judge themselves too hardly, in hard ways, because they see right and wrong in themselves. And they got to live with that. And so I know prophets I've known really well. They're just, it's like I'm an exhorter. And it's like we, we have a perfect coffee thing because they go, man, I can't believe I, oh, no, no. You know, it's like pretty soon hours gone at Starbucks and, and we're each doing our thing. And, and uh, they can feel victimized. They're, they, they're transparent people. They tend to be fairly transparent. Um, they, they're really drawn to people others reject because of the sense of right and wrongness to it. You'll often see prophets in social justice settings, things like that, um, righting wrongs, right? Um, so here, here are um, just four things I tried to pull up about a mature prophet, how they... Um, so because they can see right and wrong in, in lots of ways, a mature prophet can step into a situation and, and really unerringly help a leader, help someone else to set things in order. I mean, they can, they can, they can clarify something that's amiss in such a way that everybody goes, oh, thank, oh, I didn't even see that. Thank you. Right? And if there's no accusation or no judgment, then it's extraordinarily welcome in the body. It's like Jesus in the book of, yeah, it's like Jesus in the letters to the churches in Revelation. He goes, I know this, I know this, I know this, I know this, but I have this one thing, right? And that one thing was designed to perfect them, not to accuse them, right? The accuser points out the one thing to destroy us. The prophet points out the one thing to build us and perfect us, right? Um, they confront sin and bring grace. They, um, they can build strong relationships even when being a prophet. So when they do it really well, people who welcome um, correction, it says, um, blessed are the kisses of a, uh, uh, are the wounds of a friend, but cursed are the kisses of an enemy. They're like the friend whose wounds could be really blessing to you. And, 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 and if they feel like they hurt you, a mature prophet will go, oh, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, oh, well, no, I really need, you know, and so it's great. I've, I've had great, I have a friend who's like a really strong prophet and honestly, coffee's sometimes touchy, but um, they work with others to bring God's plan. And so they can see into the future. Sometimes we call them God's scouts. They, they can kind of go out and see where we're going and come back and say, um, Volcano. I would go. The, you know, they they're kind of that way. They can bring warning to the body. Um, okay, so who are the who are the people who who raise your hand? Come on, everybody. Who is? You don't have to. Yeah, but but yeah, but she's she's exhorting you. Okay, so. Yeah, 
Yeah. So what um, what resonated with you? What didn't? And if you have a story to tell in yourself, and we'll start on this side and then work our way over. Oh, look. <laughs> Do you want to pass for now? No, you want to go. Um, well, I mean, the the right and wrong thinking is the very black and white. It's very much me. You know, I have to do the right thing in every situation, and yeah. I look for the right thing to be done. Um, and also, that that scouting, that kind of how is this going to play out? If this yeah. is the direction we're going to go, where's that going to lead us? Um, kind of looking at. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, anybody over here? For me, I say <coughs> truth is a, uh, it's a lot like oxygen. A lot of truth. That is so perfect. That is so profity perfect. That, that, that'll kill you. Too much oxygen will kill you. Too much truth can kill or damage the person you're talking yeah. to. However, the difference between, like I think of, uh, I've had uh, employees that maybe, uh, I'll say, they have a less than stellar upbringing or background. Yeah. And um, they don't need exhortation. These guys need truth. Yeah. But you got to build that relationship. Uh, so you got to mix in the relationship with the truth because I think of one in particular that came in, you know, criminal background, gang, terrible life. And he's sitting there talking to me about, you know, why is my life all messed up? And I can share with him why his life yeah. all messed up. Again, he's not on, not on the, what I'd call a great path right now still. Yeah. But he's had a path correction because of the, of the truth that I was willing to share. But able to mix it with some grace and non-judgmentally share it. Yeah. So you got to temper your truth. Yeah. Uh, sharing. Very good. Very good. Is there anybody else in this section who, Jeannie Boshir, is anything you want to say about that? Well, <laughs> um, it's hard. I guess I'm immature. It, it's hard to um, have those thoughts and feelings and not come across as critical. Yeah. I'm learning to, to um, measure my words carefully and listen. Learning to not speak and say that prayer yeah. yeah, seeing is the gift. <laughs> Speaking is the Holy Spirit, right? So, right, and that's, gotta, gotta always mix those two. All of us do, right? Anybody else in this group? I didn't, I don't remember any hands. Okay, yes, sir, you guys. Yeah, in relationships, I don't just kind of like the surface level talk and I'm kind of cutting through to think what's important and stuff. Yeah. People in my life. I mean, I just ask questions of what I think might need to be asked, and that's like things come out of that. So I've gotten some feedback. Like, like people don't ask me those kind of questions sometimes. And mm -hmm. um, in a previous career, a story I uh, was over was put over a residence life hiring process. So we would have like 300 students apply for jobs, and there's like 60 jobs. Mm -hmm. And so it was me, and then a lot of people with Mercy. And so this kind of came out with. <laughs> <laughs> black and right, like, oh, they didn't follow the process, they're out, and people are, like crying, like, no, we need to give them a chance, you know, like, <laughs> can't hire all 300. And, you know, so like, That's why they're on opposite sides of the room, you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's good to see. I resonate with all of them. And so uh, I always battle the uh, is it a curse or is it a blessing? 
Yeah. Because some of these can be, in an immature way, somewhat of a curse and start a lot of problems. And a lot of times it can be great blessings. It's always about grace and truth. We all have the truth. Right. How much grace can we bring with this yeah. constant battle of trying to make sure that we have more grace with that. So, yeah. Um, it's nice to see that uh, on the right side of it, it can be a blessing and not a constant curse that you're constantly trying to fight through. Yeah. It's totally, when you get a mature leader and a mature prophet together, unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. Because the leader knows how to move things around and organize things. Then he goes, I mean, and it's just, it's just this crazy, perfect uh, organization. Then you get a giver who can fund what the leader's doing. And all of a sudden, you've got this really dynamic church that all these others can function in. Right? Because this tends to be the leadership structure here, often. So, um, next week, we will continue the conversation. Uh, you mercies, don't chicken out. <laughs>